0: The Mysterious Circumstances Podcast is hosted by Justin Rimmel. This is an American Crime Cast production. Visit us at our new home at accproductions.org. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. The official establishment does not believe the devil exists anymore, and when they do, they wish not to get involved. That is a direct quote from Bishop Robert McKenna when asked about his involvement with the Warrens and the exorcism of Maurice Therio. There's A lot of reasons I wanted to say that quote. I think it speaks volumes, especially for a Roman Catholic priest who did perform an exorcism on a guy. I think that says quite a bit. Now, before we get this episode started, I do have some thank yous to get out. Uh, Thank you, Peter Joseph Lewis, for lending me his creepy-ass Awesome fucking voice uh during the exorcism part of part one. I greatly appreciate it. It was last minute, dude came through, fucking kicked ass, man. It was very, very cool. And so thank you very very much. I I appreciate that. I'd also like to thank Rachel, who has been a guest host of mine, uh on a couple different occasions for helping me out with the mental illness factor of the research. And for those of you who do not know, she has her own podcast now, and it's called We're All Mad Here, and you should really, really check it out. It is an amazing podcast, and she is extremely well-researched and professional and very, very good at what she's doing. Very, very proud of her. She does a great job. Uh, also, I would like to thank Brandy, who guest-hosted with me on the Amber Hagerman case. Uh, I'd like to thank her for helping me out with the religious side of the research as well. Uh, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you, uh, both, both you ladies. I appreciate it. And with that being said, I'm going to say this right now. I am not a doctor. I am not a psychologist. I am not a priest. Okay? We are going to touch base on some religion. We are going to take touch base on some psychology in this episode. So, I figured I would let everybody know that uh, just ahead of time before you know I get a shitty fucking email that says I don't know what I'm talking about. But I did do a lot of research, and everything that I say is very easy to find. Just remember that Google.com thing. You can find about anything you want. So I guess to get this uh, episode started off, first of all, I'm going to take a drink of this beer here. Oh, yeah. All right. First of all, let's touch base a little bit on the Warrens here. The Warrens on several occasions have been accused of over-sensationalizing different cases that they have worked on. This does not necessarily mean that they are frauds. This does not mean that they are fakes. I have a lot of respect for the Warrens. I think they have helped a lot of people, and I do not think that they are a hoax by any means. But when it does come to certain things in books and or movies, they have been known to, you know, over-exaggerate a little bit, and that is... You know, fact. That is proven fact. You know, I mean, the the Amityville horror is pretty much an entire fucking hoax. But this also raises the questions of other eyewitness accounts who were there during the exorcism and during the initial paranormal investigation. Now, the initial paranormal investigation, there was a team with the Warrens. Now... The team is said to have been affected after they left the Therio home, when they went back to their lodging, whether it be the hotel, motel, Holiday Inn, you know, whatever. But the thing about it is, in 30 years, nobody besides the Warrens have ever brought this up that I could that I could find. And trust me, I looked. I tried to find out names of these fucking people. Could not find them. Now, in the video you can see there are people there. There is more than three people there. There's more than four people. There's probably, it looks like, at least half a dozen people. Now, who these other people are, I do not know. I tried looking that up as well with no luck whatsoever. So I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that at this point. But it should be noted, like I had said, when it comes down to the Warrens accounts, in the book Satan's Harvest and that of Maurice Therio himself uh, there in the last 30 years there have been no team members of the Warrens that have came forward and said hey we you know we saw this we are non-believers we are skeptics but this shit still happened to us after we left the Therio home it followed us And all that good stuff. It is only stated by the Warrens. Now, when you're trying to sell books or make movies, you know, I think Amityville Horror came out in the original Amityville Horror was like, I think, 1979. So the Warrens were very well known. Um, You know, obviously we didn't have as much, you know, Openness to find information as we do now with the uh, internet and all that shit, but you know, even from people who have been around them and have dealt with them, it is a proven fact that some of their stuff is sensationalized. Now, you can keep that in your mind, like I said, I do not think these people are hoax, Uh, Ed Warren, legit. Was a very renowned demonologist and one of the very few that was allowed to assist in exorcisms now they don't just give that out to people who don't know what the fuck they're doing alright now the thing about the other team members as well a lot of people give them a lot of shit because some of their details might be skewed um the thing with that, personally with me, is that their main story is is the same. Um, from all eyewitness accounts, and that that includes all the doctors that were involved in his when he went to the hospital to get his mental and physical evaluations. That includes the neighbors that knew Maurice Thereo, That includes the Catholic Church that he was a member of. But that includes about everybody that came into contact with him. The thing about that is yeah when some weird shit's going on people are probably going to have different details about it but at the end of the day the the basis of that main story is the same and the chain of events is the same and for those of you who are who are very leery on saying hey you know you know if if all these eyewitnesses are saying different shit how do you believe anything they're saying, well, just remember that eyewitness testimony will get a motherfucker sent, you know, sentenced to fucking death in the court of law. So you do have to take that into account. You know, you have to keep that in the back of your mind. Eyewitness testimony is a very fucking important thing. And especially when you have more than one witness that are saying pretty much the same shit. So definitely keep that in the back of your minds. But that's really all I have to say, I I suppose, regarding the Warrens. It's just a little bit of side facts for you, a little information. Next up, we have Father Robert McKenna, who a couple years after the exorcism became bishop. uh, I believe he passed away in 2015. Now, with that quote that I said, and I'll say it again: the official establishment does not believe the devil exists anymore, and when they do, they wish not to get involved. That is a quote after Satan's Harvest came out, the book in nineteen ninety, where you know we had two authors, the Warrens and Maurice Therio, all involved in the making of this book. Uh, that's what Robert McKenna had to say in response to his involvement. Now, you can take this several ways. The first one would be Robert McKenna was not sanctioned by the Vatican to perform any of these exorcisms. He was a member of his own little traditional sect of the church and at times would, you know, I don't want to say do his own thing, but that's pretty much how it went down. Now, Father Boyer, who was originally contacted by uh, Maurice's wife, he was the one who reached out to the Warrens, okay? Now, Boyer himself believed that something was not right with Maurice, especially after his hospital visit. That concluded absolutely nothing, uh, mentally or physically. So, you know, when you go to that, you know, I guess side of it, um, the church the church also believed, the Roman Catholic Church, that he was a uh, father in. You know, they believed that something was wrong with Maurice. So that's pretty much why he reached out to the Warrens. Um, now the Warrens are the ones who reached out to McKenna. Okay. Now with McKenna saying something like this quote right here, this is really all he would say about the Maurice Therio case when it came down after the fact. Now, like I said, there's a couple different ways that you can take this. The first one being, since it it was not a sanctioned exorcism by the Vatican, there's a good chance that the Vatican pretty much told him to wash his hands of it, walk away, don't fucking acknowledge it, because that reflects on them as well, and... If you're, I don't want to say a conspiracy theorist, but there's a lot of weird shit going on with the Catholic Church. Not so much the Catholic Church, but I should say the Vatican. It's kind of fucking creepy. But that that is definitely a possibility in my personal opinion. Uh, it's definitely not unheard of. There has been shady things like that that have happened before. Another one, another reason he could have said that was because he was mad at the Warrens. Like I said, the Warrens are the ones who reached out to him. He could have been mad about the over-exaggeration of the case. Um, you know, that could be one reason that he kind of downplayed it and was trying to separate himself from the story and from the Warrens themselves. Now, I don't know that for a fact. That's just a little bit of a theory on why he would want to separate himself, I guess. Um... Now, in the video, you can see he is the one performing that exorcism. Now, while we're transitioning into the video, um, was the video faked? Because there's a lot of weird shit that happens in this video, one of which is the side of Maurice's face starts... Looking like it's burnt and bubbling. Almost looks like boils I guess you could say. Now I'm not 100% sure on technology back in 1985. But I don't feel like this was faked. You can see a split open up on the side of his forehead on the left side. And it literally opens up pretty much out of nowhere. Now if you're going to fake this. Why get a priest involved? Why get all these eyewitnesses involved that were there? Um, I really don't think at this point Nancy, um, his wife would play along with it. I really don't think that, let alone a Catholic priest. I don't think they would play along with this huge, you know, huge, huge hoax. I guess you could say. Now you can see the facial structure of him change a little bit in this video. I do find that extremely intriguing. Now, the witnesses, one of which being Ed, said that his eyes looked like they were serpent-like, like like they kind of went from a pupil to a slit. Obviously, you can't see that in a video. It's black and white. It's from 1985. It should also be noted that while the exorcism was occurring and on several occasions... Maurice Therio was said to have been able to speak Latin fluently backwards. Now, when it comes down to the entire exorcism, I guess we're going to include the fact that uh, Maurice Therio's sister, I believe her name was Dana, she straight up called Maurice the fuck out. After he had passed away, and this is after, now you gotta put that in the back of your minds, this is not during, this was not before, this is not when the book came out, this was after he had died. She had said that he was an actor, that it was all faked. Now she said that he knew a version of French which... I did not know that there were several versions of French, but she said that what he was doing was he was speaking French and a form of pig Latin to make it seem like he was speaking Latin backwards. And she said that she had also seen Maurice scratch crosses into his arms with nails and also insert drops of blood underneath his eyelids to make it appear that his eyes were bleeding. Now, several things bother me about this, and that's one when you have several eyewitnesses that say the crosses appeared out of nowhere, and that includes his wife, neighbors, police officers, doctors, uh, eyewitnesses at the exorcism. You're gonna sit here and fucking tell me that nobody saw that nail in his other hand and saw him scratching this into his skin. Come on. Another problem I have with this is I'm pretty sure a Catholic priest can tell if somebody is speaking French Latin combined or French combined with pig Latin to make it sound like it is backwards. Roman Catholics, uh, a lot of them, especially priests. Hold. they will hold their services in almost full Latin. There are still churches who do that. Their entire services are in Latin. I would like to fucking think that a Catholic priest himself would be able to tell whether or not somebody is speaking French mixed with pig Latin or if somebody is speaking actual Latin forward or backward. You know, that's pretty distinguishable. Um, I just... I have a hard time with her coming out after the fact, after he died, and not beforehand, not while it happened, not, you know, when the book came out. She came out after, in 1992 after he had passed away. Now, maybe she hated him, maybe she didn't know where he was, but he was on a national book tour. He was pseudo-famous, I guess you could say. You would think that she would have stepped up to the plate at that point in time, but she didn't. That raises questions with me on whether or not maybe she was mad. Maybe she just didn't like him. You know, I don't know their situation, uh, sibling wise. So I can't really speak about it, but that is something to take into consideration. I suppose you could say. Now, like I, you know, going back to the video footage. I I honestly do not think that they had the technology in 1985 to fake something like this. So if it was a hoax, how was it done? I want to know everybody who was involved, what their part was. And if it was faked, here's the deal. It's been 30 fucking years. People have had 30 years to... Do this quote-unquote parlor trick in a fucking controlled environment to prove it. Now, if you think it's fake, if you think it's a hoax, and you're a fucking scientist, I want to see you get a fucking VHS camera from 1985, and I want to see you fucking fake it. That's how I feel when people say shit. Oh, it's a hoax. There's no way. Oh, it can be proven by science. Well, if it's so fucking easy to be proven by science, how come it hasn't? Pretty goddamn good question, huh? Exactly. Anyway, moving forward, Um, all the other eyewitness accounts, this would be people in the town. Uh, we definitely have to take that into consideration. There are people who did not exactly know what was going on that saw Maurice's increased strength. They saw... You know, him basically change from one person to another, personality-wise. You know, there's a lot of people that saw levitations, objects moving. Now, this does include doctors. When he went for his physical and mental exam, you know, there's a lot of doctors. They wrote him off. They were like, there's nothing physically or mentally wrong with this guy. Now, a lot of the doctors, the staff in the hospital, and other witnesses say that they did see a lot of these things. My whole problem is I want to know what fucking hospital he went to. I want to know what doctors evaluated him. I want to know how they came to this conclusion. Now, if Maurice would have had um, what at that point in time would have been referred to as split personality disorder... It is, I believe, dissociative identity disorder now. That would kind of explain why there were no symptoms of pretty much anything. Uh, Maurice's, if he did have this condition, you know, there are two versions of Maurice that people knew. There was the very tormented and very... Very sick Maurice from a hard life and a lot of abuse emotionally and physically. And then there was the other Maurice who was a great grandfather, you know, and a good dad, a good husband, um, was the nicest guy that the people in town, you know, they just, they liked him. They all liked him. Now it bothers me because I don't know how long he was in this hospital. I don't know how long they, he was getting evaluated. I have never, been able to find anything from the doctors that said anything about it i don't know who the doctors are i have never been able to find anything relative to him being in the hospital other than him his wife and the warrens so you definitely have to take that into account now, that does not discredit the many other eyewitnesses throughout town who did, you know, like I said, they witnessed a lot of things, and that includes hearing voices and noises when he was around. That does, you know, play a little bit of a factor, you know, for me personally. Because like I said, eyewitness accounts are pretty important to me personally, Granted, 10 people can lie, but when it comes to 100, you know, you, you better do some convincing right there. Now, moving forward, I suppose we should bring up um, Maurice himself. Maurice had a lot of problems, all right? Now, the first question you would probably want to ask yourself would be, why would Maurice Stereo want to fake something like this? Well, if you remember me bringing up the fact that he had a rape charge in 1976 that got him five years of probation, in which case he didn't get into any more trouble. He did his probation, you know, moved on with his life. It should be noted that in 1985, Maurice Therio was accused and charged with rape again. This time, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, I read it in a couple sources, but not all of them. I did read it in more than one source, though, that the victim was his stepdaughter. I could not confirm that, but that is, like I said, what I read in a couple places. Now, these charges were dropped, and the reason that these charges were dropped is because Maurice blamed this on his demonic possession. He said that he did not have control over his actions. He said that it was the demons that did it. Now I don't I mean I'm I'm gritting my fucking teeth when I say this. I don't know what fucking judge in their right goddamn mind, or prosecutor for that matter, is going to drop fucking charges over the rape of a minor because somebody said they were fucking possessed by demons now I do not know the details of the case I tried to look them up I would really love to see them because of the fact that I don't know if the Warrens went to court I don't know if they stood up for him. I do know that the Warrens had stood up in court for a couple different cases at least two that I know of I don't know if they did the same with this one or not. That would be really interesting to find out. I don't know if any of the cops who were eyewitnesses, who I could not find names for, if they were involved in any of this as well. But it should be noted that he does have a motive to fake a demonic possession right there. Because if he would have gotten convicted of this, he would have gone to prison for a long fucking time. That is a very interesting little fact right there. Very, very interesting. And actually, I shouldn't say a little fact. It's a pretty fucking big fact, to be honest with you. So, I mean, he did have, you know, reason to fake a demonic possession. All right. Now, with that, let's go ahead and move forward into some psychology. Now, dissociative identity disorder used to be known as multiple personality disorder, uh, usually involve the usually involves the enactment of two or more selves, and they are called alters. That's what they are referred to as. Now, a person can have two or a hundred different personalities. Now, each one can also have their own voice, their own names, their own basically their own personality. Now usually this is caused now usually this is caused by some kind of severe trauma during childhood uh, which could be any form of abuse what happens is during childhood when the trauma happens the alters the personality kind of splits off and creates I don't want to say a safe place but it creates a Different personality I'm no scientist or fucking psychologist so I don't really understand how that would happen but one of the personalities would be affected and traumatized by whatever might have happened now. One website, which is Christianity Today, says that dissociative identity disorder is faked for attention and is enforced by therapists and other mental health specialists. They are suspicious. Many Christians report satanic ritual abuse. Uh, I find it suspicious that only those who believe in demons are ever possessed. This is not schizophrenia, though it's often confused for it. I do agree with that quite a bit in many ways because as I have researched a few demonic cases right now, I got to admit that I do find it very, very odd that only the people who believe in demonic possession are the ones who end up being possessed. It is very very weird. Now, the dissociative identity disorder is a contested condition. Some professionals have argued it does not exist at all. I don't know. Uh, certainly, they have there have been cases where the condition has been faked or misdiagnosed. Uh, a lot of research, which is uh, Reinders, or Reinders, I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. Their research seeks to understand the condition through uh, neuroimaging, which is scanning of the brain. Uh, despite the conditions worrying psycho portrayal um, the notions about altering body chemistry turn out to be close to her findings and it says i and this is in quotes with some of my patients, I asked two identity states to listen to a text." And my research has shown that in one state, the blood flow in the brain is different to the other identity state in response to this text. So it is true that the neurobiology is dependent on the identity state that the patient is in. And that is very, very crucial information. That is fucking interesting right there. Now, some of uh, her patients do show different abilities and different personas, such as the need to wear glasses or... Uh, or handedness, like left-handed or right-handed. Like I said, the psychology of this is a huge, slippery slope, and I only touched base on a little bit of it. But I would like to thank Rachel again for the fucking amazing research that woman did, and there is a lot more on here. But she did reference a Netflix documentary. Uh, it's called The Woman with Seven Personalities, uh, the woman had about five alters, all of them under 18. She always blacked out when her alter took control. Um, one was a boy of about eight, constantly used her credit card to buy toys he liked. The oldest alter, also a boy, was angry and destructive. Sometimes the woman would wake up with self-harm wounds or her belongings destroyed. Her alters all communicated with her in a notebook. Uh, The self-harm alter would apologize to her, saying he was hurting and couldn't help it. The second little boy, who only came out once for the documentary, uh, was a very tortured alter and would often draw pictures of what uh, I assume were the woman's abuse. Uh, They were very, very dark and scary pictures. And uh, I cannot thank you enough uh, i definitely highly suggest that documentary it is extremely fucking interesting uh rachel thank you so much and like i had mentioned before if you have not checked out her podcast it's called we're all mad here you should definitely check it out it is phenomenal and she does a f- great job now during my research what i discovered about uh you know, multiple personality disorder, dissociative identity, identity disorder, whatever you want to reference it as, I did not realize that in some cases that one identity does know about the other one. Now, what I mean by that is personality A can be very aware of personality B. But at the same time, personality B can have no idea that personality A even exists. And this is very, very interesting considering that Maurice was described as, or by people to change his personality on a dime. And they literally have said, and it is quoted, that he was almost like two different people at some points in time. Now this... Struck me as really interesting because of the fact when Nancy describes him um, taking his own life that he was fighting himself to get the gun into his mouth and actually pull the trigger. Now, if personality A was the sweet Maurice and personality B, you know, was the, the, the mean Maurice or vice versa, then that would honestly kind of explain what happened there. Now, looking back on Maurice's childhood, some of the physical trauma and, and emotional abuse, this could definitely have spawned another alter personality, another alter ego, whatever you want to refer to it as. It is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Now, what Maurice says is that All this started really taking form when he witnessed whatever traumatic event might have happened in the barn. Now, I did read in a couple places that his mother was with him when he did witness this. I only read that in one place, so it is unconfirmed. And it should be noted, I also read in another place, only one place, that his father had actually admitted to his mother that him and Maurice both were devil worshippers now him being described as a devout catholic I'm not 100% sure I believe that the source is totally unconfirmed and I only read that in one place so there's a little bit of the psychology behind Maurice Theriot a little bit of the research that I did and, and a lot of the research that Rachel did so definitely put that in the back of your brain when forming your own opinion and theory on what happened here. Now, on the flip side, let's dive into religion a little bit. Now, I am going to state some Bible, some Bible passages. I am not going to read them. If you want to read them, you can look them up. Because there's a lot of information right here. It says, The Bible gives some examples of uh, people possessed or influenced by demons these are examples you can find uh, some symptoms of demonic influence and gain insight as to how a demon possesses someone. Here are some of the biblical passages. Matthew 9:32 to 33, 12:22, 17:18, Mark 5:1 through 20, 7:26 through 30, and then Luke 4:33 through 36. Luke 22 3 and acts 16 16 through 18 now in some of these passages the demon possession causes physical ailments which is really interesting such as the ability to speak epileptic symptoms can't fucking say that word uh, blindness uh, things such as that uh, in other cases it causes the individual to do evil uh, Judas being the main example in Acts sixteen sixteen to sixteen eighteen, uh, the spirit apparently gives a slave girl some ability to know things beyond her own learning, which is what Maurice claimed as well. The demon possessed man of the Gadarenes. I think that's how you pronounce it, who was possessed by a multitude of demons, which is uh, referred to as Legion, had superhuman strength, and lived naked among the tombstones, which is extremely interesting, considering that Maurice had displayed feats of just unbelievable strength, and this was purported by eyewitness accounts as well. And... Also during the exorcism referred to himself as the Legion. Uh, King Saul, after rebelling against the Lord, was troubled by an evil spirit, which is referenced in Samuel 1614 to 15, 1810 to 11 and 199 through 10. Uh, now with the apparent effect, the only effect was um, you know that of a depressed mood and an increased desire to kill David. Now As you can see, there's a lot of different possible symptoms of demon possession. Some of those are physical impairment that cannot be attributed to any kind of actual psychological problem. A personality change such as depression or aggression, supernatural strength, immodesty, antisocial behavior, and perhaps the ability to share information that one has no natural way of knowing. Now, all of these, according to the Bible, were symptoms that Maurice Therio did have. Now, it is important to note uh, that that nearly all of uh, these characteristics may also have other explanations as well. So, just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, you can. They also look. Uh, they describe uh, supernatural tributes um, showing demonic influence, and some of these are referenced in two Corinthians two ten through eleven. Now, moving forward from that, uh, concerning the involvement of demons in the lives of Christians, the Apostle Peter is an illustration of the fact that a believer can be influenced by the devil, which was referenced in Matthew 16.23. Some refer to Christians who are under the strong demonic influence as being demonized. But never is there an example in scripture of a believer in Christ being possessed by a demon. Most academics in this field believe that a Christian cannot be possessed because he has the Holy Spirit aiding within or has the Holy Spirit living within him, and the Spirit of God would not share residence with a demon or the devil. Now, that right there is a very fucking good point to think about right there. Now, in other cases, there are a lot of references, like in John 12, 6, to the fact that one has to either voluntarily... Or sometimes unknowingly open themselves up for the possession. When it comes to like Judas's case, um, you know he opened his heart to evil, and because of greed. So it may be possible that if one allows his heart to be ruled by some uh, habitual sin, it becomes the invitation for some kind of demon or to enter him or the possession. Now. You know, going on that note, we could sit here and talk about religion for fucking hours. I don't want to do that. So, just take this into consideration that Satan and his minions of demons um, and the host can do nothing the Lord does not allow them to do. Which is referenced in Job 1-2. through This being the case, Satan you know thinking he is actually accomplishing his own purposes is in turn accomplishing God's good purposes as in the case of Judas's betrayal you know some people develop an unhealthy fascination with the occult and demonic activity this is unwise and unbiblical and uh if we pursue God if we are closing or clothing ourselves with his armor and relying upon his strength Uh, We have nothing to fear from the evil ones. Now, that was brought on by a really long article, and thank you again, Brandy, for helping me out with that research. I really appreciate that. Um, So, there's two ways to look at this case, psychologically and religiously. Do you think Maurice Theriot was mentally ill, or do you think he was possessed? My personal opinion, I do believe in the supernatural. I do believe in a lot of things that a lot of people don't, and that's because I have experienced a lot of things that other people have not. Now, that being said, there are a lot of things that surround this case that cannot be explained, and some of those things are on fucking videotape. Now, if you're gonna sit here and tell me it's a hoax, if you're gonna sit here and tell me it's fake, I wanna see you fucking prove it. I wanna see you in a controlled environment fucking do it. Other than that, I don't wanna hear shit. But on a side note, Maurice Therio suffered a lot of physical and emotional abuse at a very early age and. Because of that, I do believe that his personality might have split off. The things that I referenced when we were talking about the psychology of dissociative identity disorder... Pretty much explains Maurice Therio to a T. Now, there are a lot of things religiously that do also, you know, also explain what Maurice was, uh, you know, some of the symptoms that he did have. But at the end of the day, I do think that he had enough guilt and enough motive and enough reason to fake. A demonic possession. I think one of his personalities might have known about the other, uh, and vice versa. You know, the other, uh, the you know, I think personality A might have known about personality B. Personality B might not have known about personality A, and that would kind of describe his memory loss. But that would also describe some of the things that you know he did, like fighting with himself to end his own life. Uh, At the end of the day, I do think that he suffered from this. I think it went undiagnosed in the hospital because of the fact that his one personality, which was conscious of the other one, might not, you know, was was aware of the situation. That is just my personal opinion. I am not a fucking doctor. But you know it is a very interesting case but i i do honestly believe that there are some things that cannot be explained with this case um so take that as you will i hope you guys enjoyed this you know you guys can g- you know go ahead and form your own opinions on what happened uh feedback after i post this in the group i'd love to hear your opinions anything of that nature uh, i do have to again thank uh, Peter Joseph Lewis for hooking me up with his voice on part one. Thank you very much to Rachel from We're All Mad Here podcast for helping me out with the uh, psychology research. And thank you to Brandy for helping me out with the religion uh, side of the research. I greatly appreciate that, ladies. And thank you, Peter. I appreciate you as well, good sir. Uh, now, with that being said, I do have to plug uh, one podcast here. We got. Uh, We're Up Next podcast that is a motivational podcast uh, run by a pretty awesome dude uh, who hit me up on Instagram. By the way, I never plug my own shit, so if you would like to donate to the show, I am am on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances you can find me there any monthly donation is welcome and i do i know i've been saying it for fucking months now but i really am going to be doing a patreon episode here very shortly it's going to be a very new case it's going to be only a couple years old but a really good one if you'd like to follow me on instagram you can type in mysterious podcast find me there you can hit hashtag mysterious circumstances find me that way Or if you know my name, just type it in. You can follow my personal account as well. It is all good. Uh, Come like the Facebook page. If you do like the Facebook page, make sure it's not Mysterious Circumstances Magazine. Make sure it is the podcast. Look for my logo. Uh, join the discussion group. We have a lot of fucking fun in there. We're always sharing good articles uh, on crime and mysteries and all that good shit. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at PodcastMC. You can follow me there. Uh, and I think that probably should about wrap it up. So until next time, see you on the flip side.